On today's show, the Cavs, once again, did not win in Boston. How did they lose this one? We'll give out game awards and talk about what we learned or maybe didn't learn from Cleveland's own two stretch in Boston. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. First time users get a 100% first deposit match up to $100. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked in NBA. Use code lowercase all NBA, locked on NBA, excuse me, for your first deposit match up to $100. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, Cavs Celtics. We'll do the show Big Takeaway Segment 1. We'll do Game Awards in Segment 2. And we'll do, what did we learn? What, what stood out to us over two games in Boston as the Cavs now come back home? And we'll have coverage of the Cavs homestand as they come back as well. But Evan, what, what stood out to you from Cleveland losing 116-107? to Had a big third quarter. Laverta at 26, Mitchell 31, Garland 19, all of that. No Mobley again, obviously. But they lose again. What stood out to you? Um, this team is lost. Um, I, I know Boston is the most talented team in the NBA. They have the most star power between Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Holiday. But like, it was so discouraging to see the Cavs come out so flat in the first quarter. And better part, the first half, like sure, some momentum was in their pocket heading into halftime and they did come out strong in the third quarter, but it felt like the Cavs dug themselves into a hole and they were trying to fill either the dirt to get out or dig themselves out of it. But it just, it's bewildering to me because this Cavs team is far more talented than their record or advanced metrics or even just basic statistics say about them. And I I just think it's so bizarre for me that 25 games into the season, we're still having the same conversation where it feels like the Cavs are ready to turn a corner, but either they get in their own way or something gets in their way and they take two steps back. They have to refine themselves and then kind of get themselves on the precipice again. This constant back and forth and constant just like getting there, but not fully scoring or like just getting through all the way. It's frustrating, and I think just more so the fact that the Cavs had a full 24 hours to adjust and prepare to what didn't work against Boston in the first game, maybe some mismatches they could exploit, and you could say, yeah, there's no Evan Mobley, but Evan Mobley wasn't available in the last game, so I think it's a little bit easier to prepare when you know he's not going to be available for this game either, so it's just, it's disheartening um, watching this team perform because they're far too talented to just kind of be this mediocre and I, I just don't know what else to say about them other than that. I think they feel, and, and I want to save some of this for the end of the show because I what this two game series, I think, told me something about this team, and I think kind of in different ways encapsulates is what doesn't quite feel right. But some some kind of pressure I think Evan has to be building here. If you, I'm gonna to just look at where this team is at, and I think you you kind of you nail just that they feel lost. Lost is maybe. 
Loss for a team that is still above 500 maybe feels like a step far for me, but I get, I Dude, get it, right? Dude, they're a game above 500. They should I be know, mu- it, in a much better spot 25 games into the season. Yeah, I just I just think of Lost as like the Detroit Pistons. Like that to me is like when I think uh, of Lost. That's hopeless. That's hopeless at this yeah. point. Whereas yeah, Wingstop is now, instead of offering free wings after a win, saying next loss, every fan gets five free wings on us because you guys need a W for once. And I'm just like, that's funny really funny but sheesh so cleveland here here's the last 10 lost the lakers beat toronto beat atlanta lost to portland okay then beat the pistons beat the magic beat the heat then lose to orlando lose to boston lose to boston again i think like it just feels so all over the place in a way that doesn't totally like add up you could look at Things like continuity and look at the the injuries they've had and how that's kind of kept them, I think, from building on some certain stuff. But it still feels to me like they're stuck a little bit from where they left off last year. And that has kind of bogged things down for whatever reason. And then a lot mm-hmm. of little stuff adds up and your identity is a little bit different, I think, than it was last year. You're, they don't feel like they have... Like, I think big picture doesn't totally feel to me like this is a a group, your lead players, particularly your bit, your quote unquote big four, the quote unquote core four, feel like they have like a definitive play style about how they all kind of work together. And that like you watch Boston, whether you like how they play or not, you understand how they want to play. You understand the style that Joe Mazula wants to play. I don't un- totally understand what the Cavs actual identity is right now. And I think that that's what I feel. I think if that's the way I think loss really fits aptly to your credit, because what if you had to just like succinctly in a sentence like sum up what the identity of this Cavs team is right now? I don't think you could come up with a succinct one it's, sentence. It's lost identity. Like, they, they, yeah. they don't have an identity. What worked last season was Donovan Mitchell being red hot and clicking with Darius Garland right away, and also just like really leaning on that elite core defensive identity you have, and the Cavs. Again, like if you look at like the like a ten game sample, they, it's encouraging. They are beating teams they should beat, but then maybe drop one to Portland, but then get surprise wins in Miami, which seldom happens, or at home against the Magic, who are arguably one of the better teams defensively in the league. Um, it, it's just they can't find consistency on a nightly basis. Where like you and I talk about this, like oh, this is their best win of the season. They're going to turn the corner. This feels like it, this is going to happen. Like it, it felt like it was happening when they beat the Magic, and then they go down to Miami and they dig deep and come back and win that game, which was super encouraging. And then they drop one to Orlando, albeit being close, and then they drop one to Boston, even though like it kind of got away from them in the end. But like it was still somewhat encouraging despite the loss. Like you and I were pretty confident in saying like, yeah, well we'll see how Thursday looks, and then Thursday they just come out completely flat against the same team. Like. It's just the same recipe, like first or second verse, same as the first kind of situation kind of thing. Like the Cavs just kind of just keep doing like this vicious cycle. And I think they're like waiting for something to happen when the reality of the situation is, is no NBA team is going to give them like the night off to figure themselves out on the floor. Everyone's going to come after them and like they have to fix it themselves and they can't just keep sitting there waiting for something to happen. It's like that scene in The Incredibles where like, Mr. Incredible yells at that kid and the kid's like, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. And Bob's just like, yeah, me too, kid. And like, it's just frustrating because like, that's how the Cavs feel because again, they're just far too talented. They have three all-stars available tonight in this game and they still came out flat. 
like show a little bit of pride, show a little bit of just like some type of cohesiveness in t- on a game to game basis versus just like being this up and down roller coaster every single night. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you were to change one part of this, of what's going on, if you could just pick one thing, I'm not saying change everything. I'm not saying like there's a whole unpacking we can we can do, I oh, think, yeah. around Christmas and the new year and kind of figure out where this team is going to some degree. But if I were to ask you, like, just give me one low hanging fruit that can help fix some of what's going on here. What, what would you say? It's twofold because you can blame the coaching and the lack of pre- preparation in that. And also the players just not maybe gut checking like they do. But I, I really can't say because. Bickerstaff is playing the most of his players based on who is available and like there's only so much he can do from the sidelines and people on X or whatever the heck you want to call it or on here can call me an apologist for him but like it's twofold like the the team needs to step up and kind of actually do something and again like I I think of when Donovan Mitchell says like hey uh, no more excuses after November and the beginning of December like it's do or die time more or less like they think if I were to change anything, like the Cavs just need to play like a sense of urgency, like their season's going to end tomorrow and like actually like play with that sense Mm. of urgency and that sense of anxiety where like they can actually start like putting a priority on these regular season wins to at least calm the waters and then maybe figure out who they are as a team. But they, they just look so uneven and so haphazard every other night that like, I, I can't fully put my finger on what the full issue is other than, yeah, like a, a coaching change isn't going to fix this because I doubt they're going to do an outside hire. They would do like Luke Walton or Sidney Lowe or Greg Buckner or even Dave Yeager as the head coach. You're not going to like go make like a wholesale change because that's just slapping a bandaid on an internal issue. Like, I don't know, man. Like, what about you? Yeah, I'm passing the buck to you because like I, I, I was thinking about this question as I was setting up. I'm like, I don't know what the clear like short term answer can be for this team. My answer, and I think this is worth a longer conversation we have time for today, is I'm looking at the stars and I'm looking at a certain guy that wears number 45, and I think there are some of the issues you see with this team stem from him in a couple different ways. I think the buck did some degree stops with him, with some of what is going on here. You can take that how you want, and we can talk about that more. I have a hypothetical for you in the next segment, but I know we need to step away for ads for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, come back. Evan will give me a hypothetical, and then we have game award. That'll be MVP stat of the night, play of the night. That's coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Dave. Finances can be so intimidating. That's why you need Dave. Dave can make managing your money so much easier with an interest-free cash advance for free, fee-free goal tracking and easy ways to find a side hustle to make more money. It's the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less, no credit check and no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest, then settle up later. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. So you get more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, get your car repaired, all of that and more. Download Dave today at dave.com slash locked in NBA. That's dave.com slash locked on NBA. You get up to $500 in five minutes or less, no credit check. And no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash locked on NBA. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Algebraic criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve member FDIC. Evan, what's your hypothetical before we go to awards? So basically, 
to get an answer out of Donovan Mitchell. I, I expect you to wear full green, uh, an, uh, full suit of armor preferred, but set an apartment on fire. Um, and he'll try and come in and try and save everyone. And you're just as an old woman who lets out the Wilhelm scream and then asks him, are you in or are you out? And he says, you're the one who's out, Gobby. Out of your mind. And then you go, wrong answer. I've re- recently rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And I think just the fact that like there is uncertainty about Mitchell's future, especially with just like reports constantly like trickulating out there about other teams being interested in him and it being the worst kept secret that he isn't there. Like that is something that we should probably put a pin in and talk about at some point. Like what, where do the Cavs go from here with this? Because I feel like that is a bit of an issue with like their on court cohesiveness some nights. I think he can you can you, can you give me like a one sentence like hypo like hypo just give me exactly what you're trying to ask me I'm a little confused if I'm being honest just give uh, me like the one would you the dress one up line as the William Defoe's Green Goblin and ask Donovan Mitchell in a flaming apartment building are you in or are you out and then he can say you're the one who's out out of your mind Chris that's it I was trying to be funny after being so. <laughs> angry in the first segment i just I, I think i just lost the thread you weren't angry you were just being you're you're being you're being like speaking your truth and that's all it that really matters um look i would just say that the way i, I think if kobe alban wants to dress up in in the green goblin costume and scare an old woman and then asking her out um he would be within his rights to do so hey that's a. Uh, there's probably been crazier free agency pitches <laughs> Yeah, boy. All right, uh, let's go to Game Awards. Evan, my MVP quickly is just Karis LeVert. I, th- this game is not competitive at all, and this game had its moments where we thought the Cavs might come back unless Karis LeVert does what he does. A big second half, a big third quarter. Shout out Karis LeVert. Yeah, good pick. He's my MVP as well. Like, I don't really have much meat on this bone about this game, but for whatever it is, like, LeVert looked more like himself compared to last game where you and I both said we were wanting a little bit more from LeVert in terms of just on-court production especially just because like he has like that propensity to go off against the Celtics in Boston. And this was eh, just another instance of it, but like he definitely showed up. I would say either him or this might be like a little bit of a hotter take, but Max Struess, just because like Struess was like the only one who seemed like have a fire or sense of urgency underneath him, despite like the lack of the shots falling and um, the foul trouble. But like, I don't know. It just felt like Lavert showed up scoring wise, but like, chemistry body language wise it was max Struess for me yeah he was i i think max Struess has been like to me like my favorite player to watch on this Cavs team all year he has the edge the Cavs say they carry themselves with and i kind of wish that sometimes the Cavs had that edge max Struess does where like he's just like i he's gonna tell you like it is sometimes it also just be kind of blunt and curt, which can be off-putting when talking to some of the players on this team. But um, you do need guys like that, too, to kind of hold each other accountable. And I don't know. Maybe the Cavs have a team meeting, a players-only meeting, rather. I don't know. We're, let's talk about stats. What's your stat of the night, buddy? Uh, 64% field in the third quarter. Just I'm going to just – that's the one of the few positive things we can say about this game. Mm-hmm. They just shot the ball really well during that quarter, 71% three in that quarter excuse me it was 61 percent when you're rounding at the head at 64 that's my apologies but 61 percent from the field 71.4 percent from three just a really really high explosive offense a quarter i think that quarter to some degree does merit going back and looking at what worked what didn't who played well 
who didn't. Uh, Lavert really, again, was the star of that quarter. That wasn't a, a Mitchell quarter. That wasn't a Garland quarter. That was a Karis Lavert quarter. But how that looked, I, I think that probably merits some further exploration of why that worked in that quarter and what you can learn from that. Mm-hmm. But I, I would I would end there. Evan, what is your uh, stat of the night? Uh, the Cavs went 4 of 20 from three-point range in the first half, while Boston went 8 of 17. Um, again, a little bit of that complacency issue where the Cavs are like kind of going through the motions and heaving up shots. Garland was 0 of 3. Mitchell was 2 of 5. I think he was 1 of 4 from three-point range at some quarter Mitchell. Was but like the Cavs were trying to maybe force things against Boston and kind of abandon what worked last game or all season, which was constant rim pressure and then letting the threes fall. But say, Levy, I mean, Boston just was hyper efficient on offense. I'm not surprised just because of how the Celtics operated last year and look much improved this year with Porzingis and Holiday in the fold now that th- this team is terrifying to face like come playoff time like whether it's the Cavs or any team like Boston can really really turn the screws on you and um, turn it into a shootout if they want to and the Cavs clearly just didn't have uh, the firepower to match it all right play of the night for me Darius Garland three-pointer end of the third quarter just Darius Garland shot making is just one of my favorite things that any Cavalier player does so that that is my play of the night, Evan. What is yours? Um, probably when Karis Levert, about four minutes left in the third quarter, like on a pick and roll of Mitchell, hit the, the three pointer, and like yeah, like you said, he's the only guy who kind of showed up in the second half for the Cavs and kind of led that spark. Um, and Levert just it's it's a simple enough play, but like was kind of testament to just like how he was hurting Boston in so many different ways. The scoring attack. Well, coming up next, we'll talk about what we learned or didn't learn from these last two games, what stood out, what takeaways there are. That's up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Prize Picks is the largest DFS platform in North America. And you can all you have to do is pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy, so they are entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA, code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. What's so funny, bub? Uh, just, I appreciate PrizePicks for supporting the show, but the term rebooting the player always just makes me laugh when you say it because it feels like they are literally like unplugging the player and plugging them back in, hoping that the bet works out after they plug them back. Just like that's that's how it comes across to me when I hear that. And it always just makes it, me smile when I hear that. It, it reminds me of the the one time that you, I, and a mutual friend of ours played Fortnite together and you ran off and got killed and we had to reboot you and just couldn't do it because you were too far away. You know, man, I'm just a lone wolf. What can I say? 
we were talking and you just were like, all right, I'm going to Leroy Jenkins this and you died. So, yeah, we should play soon with Purdue. Well, that was with Jake Birdman Joe producer Jake. We can play it with apparently the Lego part of Fortnite's going off hard. Like I've been seeing videos of it and I'm like, hey, this looks fun. And then I, I boot up Boulder's Gate and I'm just like, all right, let me uh, let me go conquer hell real quick. Love that for you. All right, let's dive into what stood out and, from these two and games. And by real quick, it takes us all like six hours. But r- regardless, um, I'll let Short, everyone I know mean, how Boulder's Gate 3 finishes once I have like my fifth child or something. Uh, that's a lot of kids, Evan. Please. Third don't... is the goal. All right, anyways, yeah, all right. Uh, let's talk this about game. the small stuff in this so, two-game yeah. and three-night segment. So here's to me what I feel like is costing this team, and this has been a whole year thing. It's the little things. It's the lack of cohesion. Like, little plays that are going against them, whether it's effort, scheme, whatever it is, things are going against them that are costing them. You could complain about the refs, and I think, like, Sam Hauser deserves an Oscar for the the charge he drew on Isaac Okoro tonight, because uh, Isaac did not touch him. But, okay, that goes against your way. You're gonna, that's, those, those, I think, even out over time. Stuff like Al Horford getting offensive rebound late in the third quarter over Dean Wade, and then Dean Wade missing a three on the other end. Then on the next possession, Horford got another offensive rebound that almost resulted in a Chris Epps-Wurzingis uh, midi. Or in the third, in the fourth quarter, Drew Holiday gets a tip, tipped out offensive rebound. Derek White gets a three. And then Mitchell on the next position gets called for an illegal screen. All the little stuff, all the focus stuff, all the little things on the margins, aside from the big macro trends at the side games, the Cavs just aren't doing well. And that's how you, that's like where I think you can tell that something isn't right. To me, like you could look at what you could look under the hood at times. And this was the case last year to some degree when you looked at their net rating and you looked at what their expected wins were. Sometimes you're just a little bit unlucky and you win a few less games than you should, but you can tell by looking at them and then looking under the hood at the numbers and, and the film in retrospect that things are actually a little bit better than you would think. And, and you can explain away some things. With this, this is telling you that the Cavs just like don't have an identity right now and that something is just not going all of this stuff you're just not doing. That tells me that something is a little bit wrong with the basketball team. I think it's more than a little bit wrong because like I said in the first segment, this team is too talented to be mired in mediocrity like this. Like and it can be a few little things some nights, but it just feels like a constant compounding of similar little issues that the Cavs just are failing to address whether it's internally or just within the flow of the game. But like it, it blows my mind, but like Joe Missoula made some adjustments in this game to kind of make the Cavs a little bit more comfortable and credit where credits to you. Lamar Stevens was a catalyst a little bit for the Celtics at some moments in this game, at least when the Cavs were nipping at Boston's heels and Stevens helped the Celtics put the Cavs away early in the fourth quarter. But this team just lacks cohesion or like you said, an identity and it's not just going to come to them. Like they actually have to go out and battle and find it themselves. Like to quote the late great Fred McLeod, like pressure makes diamonds in this situation or makes the pipe burst rather too. And the pipes bursting in the wrong reason for the Cavs. And it's just frustrating Again, just because, like, again, I, I know this team is too talented. They had three all-stars available this evening against Boston, and it was just a blah thing. And, like, there's, it just felt like there was no wholesale adjustments being made between game one and game two of this, like, pseudo-baseball-style playoff series. And that that's in of itself is disheartening to me because, like, 
yeah, maybe you don't want to show your whole hand because of the post uh, postseason or whatever, but you can still make small changes just to make your life easier. So you can maybe one steal win in an undefeated team at home, or at least just build some good momentum heading back after a up and down road trip. Would you, well when on the Saturday they play the Hawks again. Uh, it's part of a little a little homestand. What what would you do? Is there anything that could happen Saturday that would alleviate some of what is going on right now? Is there like an outcome over that game, or maybe even the whole homestand that you could maybe start to feel like things are turning around a little bit? Is there something that could, could that could happen that could convince you that this this, this seems actually probably going to ultimately be okay? So their next four games at home are Atlanta, Houston, and then New Orleans, Dylan Brooks. Utah. Uh, Dylan so. Brooks back in Cleveland, Ohio. Do you, you, I, I just saw a WWE event in Cleveland, and that guy's going to get booed more than any other single person that was at an event designed for you to boo lots of people. That's going to be incredible, by the way. That's not the I point just, here, but that's going to be awesome. I just hope he stands in the court and stares at Donovan Mitchell while Mitchell warms up. I'm here for this, the weird nah, you know, the he's weirdness not, of Dylan Brooks. But yeah, he's not LeBron, so probably not. I don't know if Mitchell know, gets like, that kind Dylan of Dylan Brooks' act gets a little tired, but you know, it's still funny at the same time because the NBA hasn't had like a genuine heel since probably LeBron was with the Heat, and LeBron still was like rooted for by a lot of people, especially when they won the title. But um, to jump back, I ideally you go four zero in this one. I think these are all four winnable games for Cleveland with Houston, probably at least in terms of defense being the toughest matchup for Cleveland. Um. Atlanta would be a bit of a litmus test just because like Cleveland does have the defensive ability to keep Atlanta away and put them away was while Atlanta just doesn't have that a, a defensive acumen to kind of put the Cavs away. So like if Cleveland blows Atlanta out, that's encouraging, but like obviously going four and but like the, the jazz aren't good. The Pelicans are up and down. Um, people are fat shaming Zion right now. So, you know, if you can go four and or maybe even three and one, if you drop the one to Houston, like that's encouraging, but I'm going to pull out an old line from last season and every season before this. I need just like a solid 10-game sample of play on either end of the floor for the Cavs to kind of say like, okay, now they're turning the corner instead of saying like, oh, they put together two wins, great. But like they could realistically take three steps back after that. What about you? It, it's the same. I, I think they just had a three-game winning streak that I thought might have been, I, I think I even argued on this show that things were starting to to improve in some way and then they didn't so that leaves you in a in a precarious spot i think if you're the Cavs, we'll see that game saturday we'll see the games on this home and we'll have it all covered here on locked on Cavs. thanks again evan damerel thanks again to jake stevens thanks again to the whole lockdown network and check out other episodes well, this week if you thank you already. to the listeners for listening and the viewers yeah uh you're all pretty cool say hello if you see us in public just don't be weird. You don't be weird. Um, have a great people, weekend, everyone. People never are, but you always feel like you get the preface sometimes. But. Here's what I would say. Here's what I'd say. The time that the only time that I ever feel like it's weird is if I'm using the bathroom and you say hello to me while I'm mid using the bathroom. Just like wait till I'm washing my hands. Yeah, there's 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 etiquette when it comes to using the restroom. Like don't don't talk to someone while they're like midstream, dog. Like you, it can wait, especially when you're saying hi to a podcast host. Like. I gag and people call us local celebrities and people recognize like myself or both of us in public and I share the story after the fact, but like I'm not that big of a deal. You can you can finish up, shake twice, and then go wash your hands and with your pants button, of course, and then talk. Peace out everyone. Talk to you soon.